So, nearly four months into lockdown, although some relaxation of the rules is taking place all over the UK at different speeds. But the waiting and frustration continues for cancer patients who've had their treatments and lives put on hold because of the response to COVID-19. I'm Claire English. Welcome back to Ripples. I missed last week, so this time I'm going to deliver a double edition of the podcast. And I'm concentrating on the patient's voice. That seems pretty fitting because they're the ones that are having to endure this pandemic on all sorts of levels, whether it be dealing with the isolation of lockdown or the knowledge that much needed treatments and operations are a long way off. Now, some have already paid the ultimate price for delay. They have died waiting for the resumption of normal services, whatever that means. Others know that they risk seeing their tumours grow or spread and they are acutely aware that even when this health emergency recedes, the NHS is going to be struggling to pick up the pieces. So, all that in mind, here's a slice of life for a group of five people who are connected through the cancer charity called SHINE. It focuses on people in their 20s, 30s and 40s the youthful to middle years. One of the founding directors is Kynwyn Giles and she arranged for me to meet some of her friends and co-workers to share their experiences of lockdown. Off we go on another Zoom safari. Hey, this is lovely. I've got a whole uh, a screen full of Zoom calls here and this is wonderful. Kynwyn, you're my connection and mm-hmm. uh, you better tell us who you are first of all and why I've invited you on, and then we can talk to the others. Sure. Uh, so I'm Kynwen, and I'm one of the founding directors at Shine Cancer Support. Um, so we're a charity that supports people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s with cancer. Um, and yeah, I know all of these lovely people that we have here today. Um, and I myself had um, I had stage four non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, 10 years ago now, actually. Um, so I don't have lymphoma, but I do have, um, you know, things that have occurred as a result of my treatment. So I don't have a great immune system and I have to um, get, in regular times, I was getting a sort of um, an immune system boost at the hospital every month. Um, and so because of COVID, I'm doing that at home now, which is um, a lot less fun. Yeah, well, let, let's work our way around the boxes. And I'm trying to think how to do this when we're not seeing you. But let's go to you, Lottie. You tell us, who, well, you know, we know your name's Lottie now. That's out of the bag. But tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself. Um, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer eight years ago um, and have just recently uh, discovered that I have the BRCA1 mutation. Um, so yeah, I'm currently in the process of looking at preventative surgery, um, but COVID's kind of got in the way of what that might look like because I live in Guernsey as well. So our health system is slightly different and some of the treatment we can't have in Guernsey, we have to have it in the UK, but there's issues with traveling and accessing stuff. So that's kind of, um, my situation at the moment. Okay. Pretty challenging. I'd say Caroline, tell us about yourself. Yeah, um, so I'm Caroline. I'm living with stage four mucosal melanoma, which is a rare form of skin cancer. Um, and I'm on a clinical trial at the moment. And I've been on that trial since April 2019. Right. OK, and I'm moving along to Mira. Hi. Um, so I've been living with cancer for nine years. I have myeloma multiple, or multiple myeloma. 
as some people call it. Um, initially diagnosed nine years ago with a plasma cytoma. I then relapsed two years ago to myeloma, had my chemo, uh, a stem cell transplant, and I'm currently on maintenance chemotherapy, which will be ongoing until it fails. So hopefully for quite a long time, I'll be staying on that. Um, which does affect my immune system. So I'm currently shielding at home with my, well, my whole family at shielding together. Hard stuff, hard stuff. And finally, the man, Neil, <laughs> tell us about yourself. Oh, I'm Neil. Um, I uh, had a medulloblastoma, which is a cancerous brain tumor, um, diagnosed about three and a half years ago. And, um, I had surgery and radiotherapy. Um, I'm in remission now and I have scans, but I have quite a lot of sort of side effects that have come as a result of having a bit of my brain, a bit of my brain chopped out. So um, like uh, I have movement issues and I'm partially deaf now as well. Um, and I work for Shine. So yeah, um, that's me. Okay, I'm going to take it right back to you, Kynwin, because we had a conversation about just what life is like. And I've kind of lost count of when lockdown was. I think it was the 23rd of March. So we're getting mm -hmm. awfully near to four months of this. Yeah. Now, I know it's different wherever we all are in different parts of the UK, but I think most of you are in England anyway, but Scotland is slightly different. Kynwin, what's it been like for you? Because not only um, are you a co-founder of Shine and your job there, but you're a mother. And um, mm. as you say, you've had to be pretty careful with yourself too. Just tell me what the day-to-day -day stuff's been like four months nearly on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been, it was a shock, I think, at first, actually. Um, and I do, I have a 10-year-old daughter, so I developed lymphoma when I was pregnant. And um, I had a couple of years where I was really ill and... I remember at the beginning thinking, oh, I've, I've done lockdown before because I spent six months in the hospital. So, you know, it'll be fine. What, what, what are people talking about? But actually, um, it's been quite difficult having a child. And actually, right at the very beginning of lockdown, my daughter's school shut down before everyone else's because her teacher had COVID um, and was critically ill and, and put into, you know, she was put on a respirator. She was really ill. So obviously, that was really worrying for a lot of things one because we were worried about her but then we were worried about me um, and my health and um, because I don't have a very good immune system you know I have been shielding um, and but I think as time has gone on you know it, initially when it happened okay it's one thing to think you got a couple of weeks in the house fine but I think um, as lockdowns eased it's actually almost become more difficult because you're sort of navigating um, you know, what, what do you do? How strictly do you adhere to things? And because I have a child, I'm really worried about her. And, you know, she desperately misses school. She misses her friends. So if she sees a friend in a socially distanced way, what has the friend's family been doing? Um, so, and, and my daughter, I mean, she's 10, she's like the, the socially distanced police, you know, she <laughs> everyone. she's like, well, they're not socially distancing. Um, but I think it's really hard for her. And it, it's, it's, I worry that, all of this is making her unhappy even more than me. And she knows as well, you know, she carries around a lot of worry, I think, for me, which I, I wouldn't wish on her, but she's really aware that we have to be careful because of me. So that's, it's been really difficult. And I think it's got more difficult as time has gone on. Oh, that's an added burden. Uh, Lottie, for you in Guernsey, is it the, what's the isolation like for you? And is it more of a geographical thing? Because it is quite difficult to, <laughs> you're on Guernsey for a start. Yeah, so 
we've got quite a different situation to the UK. A couple of weeks ago, we actually went back to normal life. So everything is kind of, we're not, we're not in lockdown, but our situation is that um, they've kind of shut down uh, being able to get off island. So the only flights at the moment are to Southampton because that's kind of the main hospital where um, anybody who has any treatment would go to. So like for people um, undergoing cancer treatment at the moment, that's really harsh because that's where any patient that's having radiotherapy would go. But at one stage, I'm not sure if we're still in it now, we may be, you had to isolate for a week before you went to the hospital if you were going to be an inpatient um, and then you would have whatever treatment and then you would come back and you would have to have be isolated for two weeks. So, or I would imagine for people that are having radiotherapy, they will probably stay there for the weekends instead of coming home. So it's a very, very difficult, unique situation um, in Guernsey. And for me personally, I, um, I had an appointment in Southampton with the genetic clinic and that's where my test was done. Uh, just before lockdown and then obviously got the results during lockdown so it's kind of impacted on being able to have face-to-face consultations which obviously everybody's experiencing um and then sort of starting early discussions in what is the best thing for me to do moving forward it's kind of like it keeps coming into the conversation but we don't know what's going to happen with covid so obviously uh, the key thing for me and anybody with a, a BRCA gene and is thinking about preventative, it's like you kind of want to have the surgery as soon as you can, theoretically, to reduce your risks. So it's, yeah, it's kind of having to accept quite early on that I'm going to have to be very patient and accept on top of making the decisions, it may take a while. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting situation. But I also have to say that what I found quite fascinating about the COVID experience, and I don't know how anybody else felt, but initially it was this kind of thing where we didn't know what, what was going to happen and people worried obviously for their lives and their health. But actually it felt really familiar to me when I was first diagnosed with cancer, where there's this uncertainty and you don't know. And I actually felt quite comfortable in it initially because I was like, this feels quite normal. I yeah. get this. Yeah, I'm hearing the that. difference being, yeah, everybody was going through it together, which was mm. kind of, it's not nice, but, you know, instead of being the one that's going through cancer. So it's, it's been been quite a fascinating experience if that's the right word yeah quite a a lot of nods going on there so I think yeah you're all on the same page there Caroline what about you what's been the situation for you how have you how have you been managing also for your your state of mind never mind just the physical strictures of being in lockdown Um, so I'm shielding um but I don't have um any well it's complicated. I've had immunotherapy, so I don't have, I'm not immune compromised. Yeah. If anything, I suppose I might be more at risk of um, autoimmune sort of side effects if I were to catch COVID, but nobody knows. Um, so there's a great deal of uncertainty there. Um, and I actually feel quite lucky in a way, because as Lottie was just saying, when lockdown started, everything felt very, very familiar to me. And, you know, what is one more existential threat? to be honest. Um, I've already got a pretty big one. Um, But I am on a clinical trial and I wasn't, my trial is is still going on. That's um, amazing that it's still going on. That's quite rare, no? Yes. Well, this is the thing. So at the start of lockdown, I was actually due to have a clinic appointment on sort of the second week of lockdown. It was brought forward to the first day of lockdown. and we didn't know at the time that was going to be the first day of lockdown. So sort of the announcement came out and I panicked and I emailed my oncologist for the first time ever, actually, 
and said, you know, I don't, should I be coming to the hospital? Should I not? Should I, what should be happening? Um, and they sent me a really reassuring email saying, you know, we're going to keep you on the trial. Um, it, I take tablets, so it's not as onerous as going into hospital for, you know, infusions or anything. But um, what was difficult was that in the um, sort of the first first week of me um, going to hospital, getting my treatment for sort of two months, you know, to take away, I had a phone call from my trials nurse, who I have seen every four weeks over the last year of being on this trial. Um, and she told me, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being redeployed. I don't know when I'll see you again. Oh, that's quite, a, that's a huge rupture in a, a relationship, isn't it? So explain to me what that's Massively. like. That you've got somebody that you've built some trust and rapport with, and that person suddenly taken off those duties. Massively, it was, it was awful. Um, and I think that, um, I've talked to Kaiwen about this in the past, but I think that we don't, we often don't talk enough about if you have a serious illness, be it cancer, be it something else, the rapport that you build up with the medical staff that's treating you. And I had... You know, I, I'm on this trial because I had immunotherapy treatment and it didn't work for me and I have a rare cancer and there was nothing else available to me. Um, I was told the trial would maybe give me six months of stability and actually it's been well over a year and I currently have no evidence of disease. Amazing. Which is completely, it's amazing. It's completely unexpected. It really messes with your brain, <laughs> for one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously in this, this time I'd gone from thinking, oh my gosh, I think I might be maybe dying this year or this might be my last good year to suddenly finding myself you know in a very different space and I was I felt really connected to the people who had been with me through all of that and seen me every four weeks and and yeah to suddenly have that removed was was terrifying um and at the same time I you know I've had counseling two different types of um counseling actually um one through the NHS one through a charity and at the start of lockdown um, my um, one psychotherapist within the NHS was also redeployed. So that just disappeared. Um, and then the other person works with a charity and um, the charity had said, oh, you know, unfortunately, we don't have the income, so we can't support you at the moment. So I went from having some very regular contact with a lot of people to suddenly having nothing and two months sitting at home to sort of, well, mull over my, my life, I suppose. Were you angry? Um upset I think more than angry and also worried about the people who had been redeployed because um you know my my nurse in particular like she when when they told me that they're being redeployed they sounded nervous is you know you would be <laughs> and so I was you know worried about the my you know my mental health because I was missing all of this support all of a sudden and I should say it's all back now so it's not you know things have turned around um, but I was also really worried about them as people because we were just inundated with news of, you know, NHS staff are dying. You know, the people are ending up on ventilators. There isn't enough PPE. And that was that was really horrible to read because I was, you know, thinking all the time, am I going to see my nurse's face on TV or, you know, I, I don't know. And I couldn't ask where they'd gone, obviously, because that's, well, that's not the done thing, is it? I, I've never even thought about that. It's it's a very interesting dimension to it. Mira, what about you? Um, Physically, how are you feeling? And what's your state of mind? <laughs> That's a huge number of questions yeah. there. Sim similar situation to um, kind when initially going into lockdown, I was quite relaxed about it. We actually, again, started it earlier, uh, had a chat with the school. They knew how high risk I was. Um, so my, my son's nine, um, so it was pretty much been around as long as the cancer 
And uh, he, we, we pulled him out early. My husband started working from home and stopped commuting into London. And uh, we thought, okay, this is fine. Um, I've had quite severe isolation while I was in hospital for the um, stem cell transplant. And then when I came home, I didn't go anywhere for a few months. So uh, the only addition was we had to do this as a family now. And we thought we were very relaxed at the beginning, quite doable, set things up in the home to be able to continue to exercise, work, school, things like that. Um, the longer it's gone on for, the harder it's becoming. What um, point did it hit you that this is this is just not ending? Is it is a gradual realisation? or was it, it... it was a gra- gradual realisation. Um, I've had a couple of months where I've struggled with my um, chemo medication. Uh, so we've played around with the uh, doses around that. So I don't know how much of my fatigue has made the situation worse because it, everything's harder to manage when you're tired and not feeling 100%. Um, I'm not sure I remember what 100% is anymore. But. Blimey. And-, uh, and then the longer we're in lockdown, my son was struggling. Um, he was missing his friends. He, again, like Kaiwen's daughter, is the two-metre police. <laughs> you know, if we go for a walk and he sees somebody 50 metres away, we have to cross the road because his anxiety starts to build up and things like that. Um, but it, it was getting hot. And you notice that physically you're you're less inclined to go for a walk. You know, you're, you're not motivated to exercise as much. Um, Are you sick of the sight of each other? Are you ready to kill? It's... it's <laughs> So summer holidays have just started and that's just changed the dynamics a little bit. We, we changed this this week. We've had a, a bit more fun. We've actually um, had a few days away in a very isolated field in the countryside. <laughs> right. Tell me about the prep for that because you've got to be super, super cautious and your son wouldn't yeah. let you away with anything else. So what so, kind of precautions did you have to take to even consider going to a field somewhere? <laughs> well, it was about a month ago that we thought this, we don't know how long this is going to continue for. We're still debating about what happens with school in September. And I just thought, we need a break. We need a change of scenery. We need a change of pace. Um, and it dawned on us that we had stayed in a shepherd's hut two years ago on a field on somebody's farmland. And it was completely isolated. The nearest house was half a kilometre away. And we just thought, you know what, let's email this lady again and see that if restrictions ease and she starts opening up for rentals, can we be the first in? So it's been empty all season. Yeah. Uh, when she agreed to that, we asked her that if she could clean the property, um, the hut, a week in advance so and then lock it and the keys were left so, and nobody went near the area. So we had that fallow time. Yep. Then the other thing we so as soon as we were in, we cleaned everything down. Everything was bleached down. So you went at it again. Again, right? Yeah, because I am very, you know, cautious about this. You should see what our emptying the shopping delivery regime is. <laughs> uh, we took all our bedding. We took all of our towels. We took all of our food for four days, um, and extra because there was no way we were ever going to go to a shop. Um, so this is the first holiday that 
we went, did not go into a cafe, did not buy an ice cream. You know, we haven't been to a shop since March. Uh, as a family. So how was uh, that a holiday? We... What was the holiday element? Just being in another place. <laughs> being in another place, being in the countryside, in the open air, going for really long walks in an area where we hardly saw anybody. Um, and not doing homeschooling, not working. Mm. Uh, there was no Wi-Fi, so there was not even a chance of checking your email. Oh, my God. Sorry, that's a nightmare <laughs> with a nine-year-old son. What What did you do? I mean, was he running about in the open air? Board games, books, downloading a few videos on the iPad before we went for the evenings. And we took some coastal walks because uh, we went to Kent. Um, some coastal walks. And, and we would literally park the car right by a pathway or the beach you you judge it when you get out of the car um and or before we got out of the car we just looked if it was empty we got out and we walked along the beach if it wasn't we moved on to a quieter bay um and and we did we, we had a great time actually it just sounds like it's an awful lot of effort you're hyper vigilant are you you're all agreeing with this that you just you just got to sort of start thinking about 100 steps ahead of everybody else to, to feel secure but you're hyper vigilant anyway we we made a point in lockdown to actually we did go out for walks through the day um for sanity mm. and you you we've become so used to being hyper vigilant that even if it means that I can't cross the road because somebody's coming and there's somebody on the other side of the road, I will walk down the middle of the road just to avoid people. Um, or you turn around um, or we don't go out for walks on bin days or at five o'clock in the evening when everybody who's been working from home goes for a run. Right. Um, it just There's yeah. so many things that you, you don't even consider till you're in that situation. You're listening to Ripples, the podcast about unintended consequences that come from big events or decisions. I'm your host, Claire English, and with me this time, the Fab Five, all united by their involvement with Shine Charity. We've got one of the founders, Kynwin. We have Lottie, Mira, Caroline and Neil. Let's jump back into the conversation. And as you've just heard, Mira has given us a flavour of the kind of life she's been leading because of these strange circumstances. Time to hear from someone else. Neil, for you, it's it's a bit different because you're not getting any treatments at the moment. You're in remission. This is good. But, yeah. but <laughs> your life's not normal, is it? <laughs> no, well, I mean, I'm in a slightly odd stage of like um, where people class themselves as vulnerable. Um and you, I, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I was, after I finished treatment, I had issues with my blood um, and my white cells and everything, but it's kind of recovered to the point where I don't really get ill that often. Um, but I, I got really anxious at the start of the lockdown about getting ill and sort of washing everything. Um, and now I'm, I mean, I live in London and my flatmate's a chef, so he's going into work on the train every day and it's kind of got to a point where I mean I, I'm still being careful myself but um, I mean it's difficult um, it's hard when you're then, sharing with somebody that's not 
you know, he's not shielding. He's not worrying about these things, and he's going no, in public transport. I mean, I wasn't shielding anyway, so I was going out for a walk. And yeah. Everything, but um, but yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit difficult. Um, but um, it's. I feel like it. I've, I'm in a better place now than I was at the beginning of lockdown, when everything was so uncertain, and and I've kind of. Um, it's taken me a few months, but I kind of feel like I've got into a bit of a routine now, which has really helped with my mental health. Just even even the little things like waking up at the same time, doing the same things, going out for a walk every day, just like keeping on at those that that routine has helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything from any doctors or anyone, um, and uh, so I, I don't really know. Um, but then it's the difficult one where you kind of feel like, oh, okay, like. Um, when when you hear about other people that are treated in the same hospital, who their their team is getting in touch with them just to say see if they're okay, and I'm like, oh okay, where are mine? Where are my team? Not, no one cares about me. You, you know, you get in that weird sort of, weird sort of mode. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I'm I'm a really extroverted person, so I really miss people, um, and I love the fact that like technology you can do this sort of you can do video calls and everything it's not the but same for me, though, it's is not it? the same no it's, it's not, not. and i believe you are now you can get angry because kindman grasped you up but she said you'd had a bit of romance and now you haven't <laughs> it's changed yeah. things have changed there <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean <laughs> she did grasp you up. Your personal business, <laughs> no i was just curious <laughs> well, I thought, I mean, I mean, well i'm thinking about relationships and i'm going to ask you all about this yeah as well. it was Flip really an egg. that's hard mean, yeah me, uh me and uh my well, ex-girlfriend now we we got together just before lockdown oh. and then i was away on holiday before lockdown and she was away before that so even when it got to lockdown we hadn't seen each other for a month and then it was and it was all very new and everything and then after a few months um it, it ended very amicably and, and she's a lovely person and a good friend good. but it's just really difficult um to try and keep up a romantic relationship where you can't see someone so uh, let me ask you this are you <laughs> i was going to say are you dating can you date in this bizarre way where we're all looking at zoom and maybe you're going out for a walk and you're socially distancing? well i mean i think i i haven't yet but i think the nicest dates are going out for a walk and a coffee and um i'm partially deaf so if i'm in a really bit busy pub it does turn me into a really good listener but but i can't really hear what's going on um so yeah um a walk and a coffee in the park suits me great, but I haven't sort of entered that world yet. I feel like I've got quite a lot on at the moment and I'm just doing it overload myself. Um, but yeah, it, it is a weird one. I mean, certainly at the start, I felt myself like my mood going up and down and up and down. And some days I wake up and I go, I've got this, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. And the next day I'd like work from my bed and just sleep <laughs> i think everyone is the same kindwin are you going through sort of mood fluctuations as well where some days it's it's all right and other days everything is just pretty disastrous yeah i think you know i, I it's funny because i mean neil and i obviously work together and i know neil is a huge expert extrovert i'm probably on the borderline between introvert and extrovert and i i never minded working from home um, and now I'm thinking, Jesus, like what I would do to go back to our office, you know, and Neil and I worked in a, a sort of a shared um, a collaborative working space. So there were, you know, always just lots of different people. And it was a big, it was a big office with coffee and it was a really nice place to be. Um, and actually, I just, I really miss that. I miss seeing different people. I miss seeing my friends, um, you know, 
the it, like Lottie when you were saying you know you're back to normal I'm like oh can you hug people because it would <laughs> I can't imagine you know even I I went for a, a drink with a friend a socially distant drink with a friend a few weeks ago because I thought I can't stand this anymore and we mm. were sitting out on Blackheath so you know like three meters apart but I hadn't seen her since January and I couldn't hug her and it's kind of like hey <laughs> awkward you know um it's just really it's weird so it is hard some days to keep your spirits up. I think it's also I mean it's there are weird parallels between cancer and this I think in terms of you know the uncertainty of like when it's going to end um what is that going to look like um you know and people sort of I mean I even say you know I just want things to go back to normal and then the other part of me thinking well we're never going to go back to normal um and that's very much like the cancer diagnosis as well you spend a huge amount of time when you have cancer and you're in cancer treatment and living with it thinking oh I just want I wish things would go back to the way they were before and actually there at some point has to be a realization that's never going to happen so what does that look like now Gosh, yeah. Oh, oh, Lottie, let's pick up on that point Kangwen made there. You can hug people now. We can hug people. What's that like? Yeah, it is everyone just hugging all the time in Guernsey. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of weird because actually I think there was quite a lot of anxiety actually once everybody could go back to normal. Um, there was a, there was anxiety. Um, we trailed something around, around bubbling. So they did this thing where you could bubble with like another another family or another person and then you could extend your bubble and then eventually we're all kind of opened up but um yeah it is it is it is weird I think the biggest thing is now we've got the opposite anxiety kind of around what happens when they open the borders so we're almost like it's almost too perfect for us we're almost too safe um and so we're just at that phase now where that's kind of they're calling it phase six so we're starting to explore what that means and you know, it's hard not, my family's in the UK, so it's hard not to see my family. Um, but I am, uh, it's my mum's 70th in August, so regardless, I will come back to the UK, but I'll have to self-isolate for two weeks. Gosh, that's going to be hard, isn't it? Thinking that, yeah. you know, there's no pleasure without the pain, you're going to have to pay back. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it may change by then, but um, yeah, it's lovely. And I forget what it's like in the UK. I'm like, well, what, what COVID? You know, this is just like so normal at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's weird. That That is weird, isn't it, Caroline? What about you? How are you sort of coping? Have you got relationships? Are you parenting? Or is it a case of you're just kind of looking out for yourself? And is that worse in a way if you are? Because then it's all about what's going on in your own head all the time? I'm married and I met my partner just before I was diagnosed with cancer about three years ago um, and then we got married while I was stage, well, I was six months out of a stage four diagnosis um, and my partner used to travel a lot with work so it's quite normal for him to be away for sort of two weeks a month perhaps um, and the great thing about lockdown was that he had to stay at home with me the whole time. I don't know if that's <laughs> great personally I'd be like oh go you know but I mean it must it was a novelty. No, it was, <laughs> It was great to, great to be in with, um, and I think that, um, you know, we have obviously have a very good relationship anyway, um, and, and I thought this is going to be brilliant because I might have felt lonely when he was away before, you know, even though I had a busy life and I was going out and doing stuff, um, but with him working all day, I'm not working at the moment, so what we have is a two-bedroom flat where he is in one room working away, we'll sort of pop out for lunch, come back out in the evening, you know, for dinner and stuff, um, and then I spend the rest of my time sitting alone in a room because I'm not working. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was 
um, pre pre uh, COVID, I was sort of starting to think about getting my life on track. So we're currently in the middle of a house purchase. Um, no pressure I'm, there. No pressure. Yeah. Well, that's that's a whole disaster in itself. Mm. Um, yeah, I was in the middle of a house purchase. Um, I was also going back to work. I was regularly doing volunteering in the community as I had been for like over a year. And all of that sort of changed or disappeared. So it's been, it's been really lonely, even though I have someone with me. And, um, and yeah, and you know, Zoom calls, I, you know, I, I talk to friends, I've met friends for socially distanced walks and things like that. So I haven't been following, you know, shielding to the letter. But friends sometimes don't want to meet me because they're scared that they might infect me. You know, and I, even if, even if I am, you know, even if I say we're going to walk or, you know, in the woods near our houses or whatever, and we'll be two meters apart. I had one friend who um, was so worried about um, infecting me with something when we first met up that she said, I'm just gonna look straight ahead and not look you in the eye for the whole walk because I don't want to breathe on you accidentally. And and it's, and it, and because she's so worried. And of course I think if you know that, yeah, if you hear all this stuff about cancer patients being really vulnerable and the shield, you know, all the horrible messages about shielding, I was prepared to take the risk. But at this point, it's trying to convince other people that they should be comfortable around me and take a risk with me that's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Mira, what, um, I'm just, we're running out of time, got about five minutes left. So I want to ask you, what's been the best and worst thing about lockdown, COVID, and what it's done to you mentally, physically? So the best thing maybe, has there been a, has there been a best thing? Uh, I'm finding it hard to think of the best yeah. thing at the moment. We could jump straight uh, to the rubbish thing, though. Oh, oh, oh Neil's got something. Oh, 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 Neil's got right, Neil, Neil, come on. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I think um, I don't I don't necessarily like when people say they've used this time to back themselves because I certainly haven't. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, um, after a few months of sort of struggling and everything, I decided to sort of um, use the time that I had um, to look at doing some training. So I've, I've just um, signed up to start a counselling course, which is pretty cool. Um, and having never studied anything, literally never studied anything in my life, it's quite a, a, um, a big step for me. So it's, it's good having that time where, where you can still do that as well. Um, so yeah, that, that would be a, a slight positive for me. And a big negative is hugs. I mean, I'm a very touchy-feely person, so yeah, it was, um, when I saw um, someone a few weeks ago and I had a hug from them, I was like, I, I burst into tears, I was like, this is, this is it's big. Else. It's big. I didn't read, it's one of those things you don't realise how much you miss until you, until it happens, but yeah. Mira, will you look forward to hugging or will you be really, really cautious? <laughs> I actually stopped hugging immediately post-transplant. So it's been a year since I've hugged anyone outside my immediate family. Um, I'm not sure if I will go back to hugging. Um, I don't know. I'm very wary. The virus is always going to be as deadly for a lot of us as it always has been. Um, I, at the moment, I'm in the phase of I treat everybody as if they are COVID positive until proven otherwise. Even when a vaccine um, comes along, will you will you relax if and when they get a vaccine? I, I hope I can. I hope for the sake of all of us that we can. 
I'm not, I don't know, it just seems like so far away at the moment. It, sure. It's hard to think about that. Sure. Um, well, let me ask so. um, Kynwin about, because about two minutes now, uh, I want to mm. ask you, Kynwin, the, the best and the worst of the COVID thing for you. Is it the homeschooling's the worst? Because I, I feel your pain. Homeschooling, I mean, that is like the work of the devil. It's just <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I always knew teachers had a good job. I had a hard job, but I think it's, you know, I mean, no child wants to be taught by their parents, do they? I wouldn't have wanted to be, and my daughter certainly doesn't. So um, I found that, yeah, really challenging. Um something good I mean I suppose uh the good thing I mean I think what's been interesting for me is like having a slower pace of life I think I because of my cancer treatment and and the immuno the um immunoglobulins that I get I do suffer from fatigue and actually weirdly I found I'm less fatigued I might be tired kind of mentally tired from the COVID (laughs) drain but I am less physically tired. Um, That's good. I'm not running around so much. So. I'm, I'm in the last Excellent. seconds. I'm going to get a very quick one from you, Lottie, and a quick one from Carolyn as well. Um, I've actually really enjoyed all the webinars. I've done loads of learning. It's been amazing. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, worst thing, oh, 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 not being able to see my family in the UK. Not good. Okay, Caroline. For me, would be that I've had loads of posts. Um, lots of letters from friends I haven't heard from in a long time. Um, lots of gifts, lots of um, gifts I've given myself um, to help me through. And then I think the worst thing would be not knowing whether this is going to end. But, you know, you can say that about cancer too. Caroline, reminding us that living with cancer means being on uneven ground all the time, not just during a pandemic. I loved speaking to all five of my guests. Big thanks to them, to Kyman for setting this all up, Neil, Caroline, Mira and Lottie. And it gave me an insight into their day-to-day lives under lockdown. They've been really honest about the challenges and amazingly, they've come up with some of the upsides of being confined to quarters and not knowing what's going to happen next. An uncomfortable place to be, but one that cancer patients will know all too well. More patients' voices to come in the next edition of Ripples, which follows this one. You've been listening to Ripples with Claire English, and I'd love you to tell people about the podcast. Anyone you think might be interested, pass it on. You can listen to this podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. You subscribe for free listening. I can be contacted via my Facebook page, but you can also leave a voice message. That option's available on your browser or app where you listen to Ripples. Click on a link in the show notes. That should take you to the Anchor app page and you can leave a short message. For now, though, as ever, please stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Hope you can join me for the next episode. It's ready to listen to right now.